This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity is turning lead to acid? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris. Hello, I'm Jesse with the energy. Yes. <laughs> I well, you're you just ramped right into it. Three, two, one, and I had no time to think. I'm sorry. Well, that's, no, that's what I need. I need. Yeah, that. exactly. We got to throw him, throw him right to the firing squad. <laughs> there he is. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome. How you doing? Glad to have you here. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. Thanks for, thanks for coming back um, to the premier geology podcast. Yes, the premier geology. Uh, like it just, uh, I cannot say enough good things about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may be slightly biased, but no, that's a great endorsement. I'll take your endorsement. Um, I. I, I feel like we lost the mantle of premiere there. We're back on top. We did for a little while. We, we, we tailed off in that we didn't record for a few years, <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. It turns out we just forgot to hit the record button. Uh, <laughs> we learned our lesson. And my, my whole computer wasn't even plugged in. I was just, <laughs> Jesse's just talking to a wall. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, here we are today. Uh, we have a bunch of... Is this I episode 73? It is. 73? 70, I think, yeah, 73. That's crazy. I know, I know. We've been going strong since last April. Uh, which is incredible. Like, this is the, the most consistent we've been since 2014, I want to say. Consistent thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's a good point. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you, you have been married for longer than that. Yeah, but that's... Yeah. That is correct. Uh, yeah, I'm on my eighth marriage, so... Inconsistent. But, you know, eighth one's the charm. Let's, <laughs> let's hope for your bank account. Love you, dear. <laughs> All right. You want to you wanna jump into it? Yeah, let's get, yeah, we got let's some, get to we it. We got some current events, news stories today. Um, yeah. Got some cool ones. We were talking about this before the show started. We actually have an idea of where we're going with this today, so it won't be all controlled chaos. Do we'll just be? We do. Yeah, Wait, we what? do. We, Man, I wasn't listening to you. We, <sighs> were, we all talked about this. You were in the conversation. I blacked out again. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See what I have to deal with week in and week out, people. <laughs> all, right. all right. So I, I have a I have a uh, interesting old story, if you will. All right. Let's all go right. for it. So, uh, this is from some of the <clears throat> National Geographic's 10 Awesome Science Discoveries You May Have Missed in 2020. Because, you know. So December, 20, years 20, wrapping up. 2020 may have been slightly distracting with all kinds of stuff. I've never felt more alive in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the... You know, billions and billions of years ago, what, 13 plus billions of years ago, the universe started, right? Allegedly. Yeah, 13 yeah. billion. Yes. Uh, and in that creation, some stuff got blown out into the universe and coalesced and dust and other rocks and things like that. And then uh, there was this Mercutian meteorite which lit up the skies over Australia in 1969. So fast forward a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So fast forward about 13.7 billion years later, uh, this meteorite uh, lit up the sky over Australia and it careened to the surface of the planet. And the, they actually analyzed the rocks from this meteorite and the the particles on this rock are actually older than the planet, which is really, really cool. So these are the oldest things on the planet. They're 4.6 billion to 7 billion years old. 
So it's old and real, real fast, Steve. Uh, McCurshan Meteorite. That's just the name of the of the meteorite. It fell near the town of McCurshan, uh, Victoria, in Australia. Yeah, who doesn't know that, Chris? Come on. I I had a. I thought that was common knowledge. That's why I didn't. <laughs> that's why I didn't bring it up. Very very smart listeners, and I. <laughs> Good day. Come on. <laughs> Thanks to all our Australian listeners out there. Um, <clears throat> it's a big meteorite. Wow, this thing's over a uh, hundred kilograms in weight. That's that's, yeah. that's pretty heavy. Yeah. <clears throat> what? Two hundred twenty um, pounds. Yeah. What What is that in pounds? Two twenty. Shoo. That's uh yeah, that's like if I fell to the earth. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's exactly what I was gonna say. If me and or Jesse fell to the earth, or some slightly larger Chris fell to the earth. In the town of Mer McCurshan, Victoria. Victoria. Um yeah. what type of meteor right is it? Uh it didn't say. I'm I'm assuming or at least in this article that I'm reading, it didn't say. So I'm assuming it's a. It should have been. It's a chondrite. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and again, I'm reading the Cliff Notes version of this article, but uh, I believe it was zircons that were dated in this meteorite to date it to that age. So, um, just pretty pretty cool that there's stuff on the planet that fell geologically like super recently that are technically older than the planet itself. So, yeah. So, so oh, okay, Jesse, I was going to say zircons, um, <clears throat> zircons are just, uh, they're a type of silicate and they're super resistant to weathering. So when, <clears throat> when we think about dating the oldest minerals on earth, they're usually zircons because they just resist breaking down yeah they just hang out forever other things just eventually weather break down into other things but these things stick around did you um were you going to talk about what a chondrite is yeah yeah yeah. go for it and yeah i could see that the the chondrite gleam in your eye (laughs) no i I know we have we very smart listeners here and and uh you know i don't take offense if you know what this means uh no but uh a chondrite is a there's several different types of meteorites and a chondrite is what's known as like, it's a stony meteorite. And that's all I want to say. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was settling in for a long lecture. No. And, and most, most of the meteorites that hit the planet are iron ish chondrites, you know, iron nickel type chondrites. They're rarer, much more rarer uh, carbonaceous chondrites that can hit the planet. They're usually, uh, they're actually usually broken off of other planets as opposed to, yeah. you know, primordial like super old iron chondrites. So, so I've I've heard so yeah you we in a, in a very general sense you know you can have stony meteorites or iron nickel meteorites or some mix of stony iron, and I <clears throat> I once was told that. You know, just roughly looking at the meteorites that have been found through history, the ratio that we've we found of those is the same ratio that makes up the earth in terms of the core is iron nickel and the crust is stony and the mantle is, is sort of a mix of both. I've never looked into it. I sort of took it up, uh, you know, I don't, I forget where I, probably some professor as an undergrad told me that. And I was like, that's really cool that, but that makes sense. Like if you think about this is the material that, you know, this is just leftover pieces of, you know, accretionary material that made up the earth. It would make sense that the the makeup of the earth or the composition of the earth is similar to what we're finding still crashing into the earth. Just something I always thought was sort of interesting, but maybe it's just me. (laughs) <laughs> no it's very interesting of course uh, it is yeah and, I, and, i just need affirmation just tell me no it, it it's funny because i was i was always under the impression and again i haven't looked into it much either that uh iron meteorites were much much more common than carbonaceous meteorites stony meteorites um 
But then again, it may be that iron meteorites are much more easier to find, I guess, because they are slightly different than the crust. So you can legit just walk around with like a magnet. Yeah. Well, I mean, how one of the, one of the best ways to find a meteorite is to just walk around in Antarctica. So on top of the snow. So if there's any, if you see any rocky type features sitting on top of the snow, it's a meteorite. And I once read an article about how there's something to do with the magnetic, uh, the magnetosphere and, there's a slightly more probable probability of an asteroid hitting Antarctica or the Arctic based on the magnetosphere. But uh, I, I, that's, you know, I'm not going to get into that because I, I didn't really quite buy into it and or believe it. I thought it was just like, hey, you have this giant white landscape. <laughs> Anything dark is going to be from outer space that's what i always thought yeah i mean like because nothing (laughs) basically nothing happens on the surface of antarctica right and and you think about it all the stuff that hits the the ocean well that's a loss anything that hits the surface of the planet you if you're not in some sort of like saharan desert or something you're not really going to notice it it's going to weather and break down pretty right Mm -hmm. so yeah well Um, i I don't know if i ever showed you fellas this let's see i mean for the podcast listeners, you're, sorry, you're out of luck. But if you're watching this on YouTube, so I have here, this huh. is a piece of a, a meteorite. And supposedly, this is from the 2013 Chelyabinsk. Oh, ah, nice. Russia. So I don't know if this is like legit or not. Huh. I don't know. I got it at a, uh, like a, a mineral, what is it called? Like one of those like gem and mineral shows. You can buy all the minerals and stuff like that. And I bought, bought a couple of meteorites and... The lady was like, oh, here you go. This is from oh, Russia yeah. in 2013. And I was like, are you serious? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, close I, enough. All right, I'll, I'll take it. So, so I, don't know. I, sa- I saved it. I don't know if it's real or not. But. It's, that's interesting. There's, there, there used to be this small shop in the, in the town I'm from. And the guy who ran it does meteorite procurement. Like he, he buys and sells meteorites. And um, I remember I went in a couple of years ago when it, when he first opened and I was talking to him because we had a common interest uh, and he gave me a, a stone. He's like, yeah, this is, this is probably a meteorite found in the Sahara in, um, oh boy, Morocco, maybe, I don't know. Um, and I, it's been sitting on my shelf in my office at Temple and I've been meaning to, I, I want to cut it in half and, and test it and see if it really is. I mean, it's magnetic and that's basically the, the one guy he worked with in Africa. That's how he finds, he goes around just with like a neodymium magnet. And when he finds like these super magnetic rocks, they just sort of make an assumption. Yeah. And so I, I I'm like, well, that's, you're, you're making sort of a leap there, but I guess it sort of makes sense, you know, given what the geology, I don't know enough about North African geology to, to make that claim, but um, yeah, I really want to, I want to cut it in half as, as we do often when we get rocks. Yeah. Just cut yeah. it up. Sim- similar situation happened to me when I was at Temple, a student came in with a, a rock that they had, pried out of a coral reef like it was a coral reef in florida and there was this big iron concretion in there and they assumed that it was a a meteorite because it was just this big chunk of iron in this coral reef and they dug it out and brought it up the temple and we we cut it in half and you do these various tests like acid etching and all these things to to look for this uh, very specific pattern of mineral growth if it was um uh grown over millions of years they call it vidman stratton um but the other alternative scenario was that it was like a cannonball from yeah, wasn't it from revolutionary war or something yeah 
So um, as as it turned out, it it did not have this Vidman-Stratton pattern. So it had to go through additional testing to get to figure out if it was a meteorite. You know, that's, we had a, a a teacher who always he had this famous line because as a geologist, people always ask you, "Is this? I think we're at this meteorite." And you know, honestly, ninety percent of the time, it's it's when people ask me that, it's it's not a meteorite. I was just asked that a little while ago, a couple months ago, actually. Somebody came up to me. I got this really interesting rock. Is can you look at this? Is this a meteorite? We call those meteor wrongs. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, uh, last spring before we shut down, these uh, guys came into our department because they thought they had. Well, they had. So they they were fishermen off the the Jersey Shore, and they would go all the way up to um, George's Bank, up sort of off the coast of like Nova Scotia, <clears throat> and. Um, they had some really interesting stuff. They had this really old ceramic like vessel of some sort that had like a single like maker's etch, maker's mark on it. And they're like, do you know what this is? And I was like, oh boy, I wish that it's like really cool. Like you got to talk to someone in like archeology span or something. It looks old. That's my opinion. Um, but they that's also, good. That's <laughs> they also had, <clears throat> a rock they thought may have been a meteorite because it was magnetic. Mm -hmm. But here it was, it was like only magnetic on certain parts of it. It was really strange. And here we sort of pieced together, kind of looking at it, that it was, it was these little veins, I guess it had, it had washed off probably the, the, the Jersey Shore, these little veins of magnetite Oh, infilled into what was otherwise, I don't know, sandstone or something. It was really, it was kind of interesting. It was cool because it just all looked the same and you put a magnet on it and it would just stick to it. And, but if you move the magnet a little bit to the left or the right, it would just fall off. You're mm -hmm. like, oh, that is very interesting. That is very interesting. Anyway, it was a meteor wrong. Yeah. That's why I, I took, I took the rock and just chucked it in the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I said, this is still a really cool rock. And he lost interest really quickly. When I was like, I'll tell you why this is so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you can have it if you want. No, he kept it. <laughs> but I like Meteor Wrong. I'm going to start using that more. You never yeah. heard that before? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. I feel That's like a I feel like you've told me that before. That's a famous, yeah. that's an infamous Doc Meyer quote right there. Uh, yeah. Nobody else knows who he is, so I'll stop with that. But, <laughs> um, cool. Uh, I, I got a, I got an idea for story. Well, not an idea for story. Um, Can we uh, pay some bills? Real oh quick? yeah, yeah, that's right. There. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, Good. that's fine. Uh, we've we've taken to paying the bills mid podcast like we're professionals, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd like to, we'd like to thank the formatting formula uh, www.formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula uh, for being a wonderful sponsor of the podcast for any of your word formatting document needs uh, please check them out they have uh, this vast number of youtube videos where they actually explain everything step by step. And when I say step by step, I mean like slowly, calmly, like legit. And they have different versions of Word. So even if you have an old version of Word, you can go check on those videos to figure it out. Um, uh, they do it step by step and very slowly to the point where like you can legit follow along as you're doing it. And obviously it's a YouTube video, so you can, you can still pause it and then do what you're doing and then go back to it. Um, <clears throat> But I can't say enough about them. They, they've helped me out, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say a gazillion times. That's probably a slightly close to an exaggeration, but uh, it's, you know, probably closer to the real, realistic number. But um, so check them out, uh, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Tell them the geology flannel cast sent you because, you know, let's, let's face it. They're, they're keeping the lights on. Well, actually, I have an impromptu. Uh, I just thought of this. Uh, 
we the formatting formula sent us a listener question. Uh oh. Related related to meteorites. No. What? I, I swear to God, this is like the smoothest transition we've ever had <laughs> on this podcast. Uh yeah, you, you could have mentioned this before we went on air, but no, I'm I'm liking it. Carry on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. Here we go. No, this is a this is a fun question. So they ask. Is there always a sonic boom when a meteor passes through the atmosphere as it did in Rochester, New York today? So I guess, when was this? This is from December 3rd. So this is a little bit more than a week ago. Um, and does it disintegrate when doing so? Ooh. Hmm. So um, is there always a sonic boom? Well, these things are moving pretty fast. Yeah, they're, they're moving and, pretty fast. So yeah, I want to say there's it's, always a sonic boom, right? I would say so, and it's not obviously it's not until it passes into the Earth's atmosphere. Um, yeah, I know the larger like uh, I don't know about like some like the smaller stuff, but I know like, the the larger stuff, these larger asteroids that hit the Earth and cause like a lot of stuff to die, they're coming in at like Mach fifty. So I would say that that passes the threshold for a sonic boom. I think yeah. uh, Mach that point, one is yes. sonic boom. Yes. <laughs> yes. So fifty, like uh, ish, you know, fifty times the speed of sound, and I think at that point, uh, the sonic boom rattling your windows is the least of your concerns. <laughs> if, but that, that is a good question. Once you break the speed of sound, is, is there something physically that happens to you? Like when jets break that speed of sound, is there a shaking, a rattling, like to to the jet itself or to the to the person, to the thing? I think a big thing is air resistance um, and friction. Once you're going that fast, yeah. So this, it, the sonic boom is it. It doesn't only occur right at the when you break the speed of sound. It, it's actually continuous because it's a shock wave created as they're moving through. Like you were saying, there, there's air resistance. And so, um, but it, it sort of depends on where the observer is relative to where the object is moving. And there's like, it, it, there's geometry involved in the shape of the, the sound wave or the shock wave that's being created. It's like a cone, basically. Mm -hmm. It's a cone region and you have to be behind it to briefly experience the boom as it goes past. So if you were also moving at the speed of sound, would you, you would hear? constantly hear the sonic boom? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got hurt but, my brain just thinking about that one. <laughs> yeah. But to answer the question, uh, does the sonic boom actually break up the meteorite? I would say no. It's the friction, the friction. The friction yeah. Right. Yeah, it's I the mean, friction. It's the it has thing. nothing to do with it. That 600, feet per second it has to do with the the friction of the atmosphere heating it up and breaking it up it has, yeah it, it, the, the sonic boom itself doesn't actually boom anything correct yeah, it's just yeah it's traveling it's the, it's the way it's like compressing the air it's creating a shock wave okay 767 miles per hour air about 600 feet per second yeah. right give or take i don't know that's what I remember from high school physics. Let's put it that way. Oh, that was 20 years ago. Well, you're a little off. 25 years ago. What is it? 1,124 feet per second. Yeah, 1,124 feet per second, like I said. Like you said. Ah, come on. Am I off by that much? Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe it's changed. The earth has sped up. The air got In the last 25 years, yeah. The air got thinner. <laughs> <laughs> so i i didn't i didn't hear about this uh this uh this this meteor coming through the earth's atmosphere uh early december so it was on what uh what they're asking uh, is uh, a meteorite strike on december 2nd 2020 around a little bit after noon and um it was seen from new york ontario and maryland wow this thing was cooking so yeah, it went. They saw it as far south as Virginia and as far north as Ontario. So, wow. Well, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, this super extended commercial for the formatting formula. Thanks for that awesome question. Yeah. Um, and 
like legit i had no idea this question was coming so thanks chris for that <laughs> uh, yeah if they that's how, that's how you can get us to extend out if you want to be a sponsor oh that's true yes become a sponsor and then throw us questions at chris and then he won't tell us and then we'll just expect extend your formatting yeah formula. here's the deal i need to keep these guys on their toes absolutely right? so that's, yeah that's yeah. just what's going on there i hear you it's working yeah <laughs> yeah toes right. or, or, or at least like in an upright sitting position <laughs> so well all right so moving on i i got a story and i think all three of us agreed that we we all found the same story <laughs> um uh, Mount Everest has officially grown taller in 2020. So, uh, basically, to summarize the story before I get into it, it's really hard to measure how tall a mountain is, and there's a lot. There can be a lot of debate, and it all kind of comes down to like, what's your definition of height of the mountain? What are you What are you measuring to? So, um, let's see, China and Nepal finally came to it an agreement. There was a little bit of controversy over, over the height of Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain on earth. And they finally came to an agreement and the new agreed height of Mount Everest is 8,848.86 meters or 29,031 feet. Uh, uh, I have 29,032 feet. What? In my article, <clears throat> rounding just, air. What? Just saying. <clears throat> so it it used well, to be. Can I talk about what it oh, used? To be? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, go ahead. So it used. To, so the 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 agreed upon. It used to be twenty nine thousand twenty nine feet, but China always had it at twenty nine thousand seventeen, and they were pressuring Nepal to accept their measurement, and Nepal basically put together an expedition and said, we're going to go up and measure it. And they put together like a team <clears throat> to measure it. Mm -hmm. And um, because you have to go to the top of the mountain. And did you, do you want me to talk about go how they did this? Yeah. But so, by the way, before you get into this, we have our own discrepancies because mine says that China said it was 29,015 feet. Oh my God! Oh man! <laughs> anything this is perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, this, this pretty much sums up the height of Everest yeah. right here. So yeah. this gets into what's called uh, <clears throat> like geodetic surveying or geodesy, where you're looking at basically the surface of the Earth, like the geometry of the Earth, because you measure mountain height from sea level. Yeah, some some sort of datum, some sort of so, benchmark. The level changes depending on where you're at. It also it, changes it, every minute of every day based every on the moon. Ten seconds. Every yeah. time a wave comes in, technically your sea level goes so, up a little bit. <laughs> and like if you look at Mount Everest and you look at where the nearest ocean is. So the, the Nepalese, what they did was they basically went from, I think, the Bay of Bengal and they created line of sight and just moved until they could see Everest. Yeah, like that's the old school old, engineering so way to do it. Yeah. yeah, they're using what's called theodolites, which is you basically, you, you're looking through, it's, it's almost like a telescope with like a level or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it, you can see the angle basically off to the horizon and by using some trig. You know, if you were in high school and you thought, when am I ever going to need trigonometry? Well, to measure Mount Everest. That's why. <laughs> and so they, they, when they could get to, when they got to Mount Everest, um, they climbed up and do you know the, they measured like 12 different peaks, like benchmarks. This, I didn't hear about this. this is and so they, they measured these benchmarks and they created, they basically were, were measuring the triangles of the angles between all of these peaks and they would hike up until they basically could, could get to the peak. And so they, they sort of did it old school and they checked it all with GPS. Now the, the Chinese have their own GPS. They have their yes. own satellites. Their own satellites and, and stuff. So they, yes. they were, the Chinese were checking it with that. And so, but it ended up, <clears throat> they came to this agreement where it worked out, but it's the first time it's really been measured like this 
I want to say since the 70s where they where they've done it with like sending an expedition and, and using the theodolites and, and and things like that they um yeah so the new height there was is, a disagreement about what is the top of the mountain is it the rock or is it the ice on top of the mountain oh yeah yeah i don't know what they came to i, I I've, I've run out of my sort of um well so what they end up doing so to kind of summarize this china had their number nepal had their number and they took the average of the two <laughs> so that, that's that's some good i mean part of me is like well i'm glad they agreed on it and part of me is like well no what's there should be a number give me a number i, I, I feel should, i feel like there should be an ice number and a rock number what do you i think do? i think it should be the ice number this the as as high as it goes that's you're yeah, standing that, on the ice right yeah I, I get that but at the same time that can fluctuate like yeah. it's a sunny day it moves down it's a it's a <laughs> snowy day it moves up like yeah maybe they just put someone there the whole time <laughs> constantly with a table well yeah so um so this is really interesting so when uh nepal did nepal kind of started nepal was looking for like they wanted the number so they're doing the survey they had 300 people that were involved on this on this exercise yeah. some people on feet some people in helicopters and they're um, you know, trying to working on trying to figure this out. And so last spring, uh, Nepal, Nepalese, uh, or I guess it's Nepali, uh, surveyors got to the summit of Everest. Not only did they have, do the amazing feat of getting to the top of Mount Everest, which is kind of a pain in the butt. You can't, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, a task to get up there. A little bit of a hike. A little, little bit of a hike. Um, which interestingly enough, the, the true mountaineers, they call Everest a yak trail because they don't, they don't really recognize that as like climbing, like, you know, technical climbing. It's kind of like you're, anyways, that's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> um, so they, these, these, uh, these, so these surveyors got to the top of Everest with like 90 pounds of equipment, yeah. of, of surveying equipment. And they spent two hours on the top of Everest Whoa. collecting data. And one of the survey guys on this team, he goes, you know, they, they were interviewing him. Uh, you know, he basically says, you know, climbing Everest alone is a challenging task, but we also had to measure it. And this guy lost a toe to frostbite while he was, <laughs> while he was doing this. He should have propped it up on top there and added like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what toe was it? If it was his big toe, you know, yeah, add a little bit more, you know. Yeah. That's another inch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then this year, the Chinese had their, their survey expedition yeah, go up to Everest, but it was, it was quieter because Everest is shut down because of COVID. They're the only, they're the only people that summited it this entire year was that survey team, right? Yeah. That's what this article says. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, they end up uh, just kind of taking the average of the two. One other little interesting fact here was, National Geographic had an estimate, or not an estimate, they had a, um, um, you know, they, they, they had a number for how high Everest was. They said it was 29,035 feet. Oh, wow. But Nepal never officially recognized this number. Because huh. they've, <clears throat> yeah, they've funded a lot of the, the expeditions up there. So that's, that's where they got their number from. Yeah, so yeah. 29,032 29,035, 29,029. Like they're all, if you're counting snow, I feel like they're all in the same ballpark. Maybe. I, <clears throat> I don't know how much the snow's moving around. The yeah, top. No, but, that, but, that's what I, but that's what I'm saying. Like if you're not counting the, the, the bedrock that's actually uplifting from you know, continental yeah. collision, then well, you're, you're talking about some stuff that's going to be, you know, uh, seasonal or and that was variable. Part of, part of the, <laughs> part of the, the um, motivation for this was, you know, it's, it's, it's uplifting. And so there was talk about how much it's uplifting and, and what have you, but there was that big earthquake a couple of years ago. That yeah. The one that, that, yeah. Base camp. 
And so they wanted to see how that affected the height of the mountain because there was sort of competing views that that had a dramatic effect on say uplift and where the height of the mountain was. And others who said it didn't, but it turns out we haven't sort of measured the height in a while. So well, it, I was, um, I'm going to just say like, it's, you go, what are you going to say? Oh, you go, finish it oh, up. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, it, it gets into like, uh, ge geodetic surveying is, is sort of really interesting, even though it might not seem like it, like figuring out the height of things. Like the, there is no, like you think about the Pacific ocean, you know, what is the, the surface level of the Pacific ocean? Well, if you're in California, sea level is means one thing. And if, <clears throat> if you go over to Japan, it's probably higher than where you are, but it's still all the same surface level. It's all sea level, but because of, of wind currents pushing the ocean, it, it, you build up water on one side. So no, I know, I know. There's th there's fetch and there's there's yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I d definitely wind, wind pressure, wind uh, gusts. I mean, that's, that's, that's where waves come from. I mean, so. that's why you get into. <clears throat> there are some people who are adamantly opposed to the idea of um, used to see, which is like a single global sea level. Yeah, no, there should be a maybe some sort of global datum, but where yeah. do you put that? Because there's no place on Earth that's static. Well, yeah, that's what that's why it's 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 a pain I mean, in the butt to figure I, out. I, I, you know? I guess you could pick somewhere in Australia. I guess Australia yeah. has been the most static. I'm looking where's, at a... uh, where's the NAVD uh, 88 located? Do you guys know? I'm, I'm, the I'm, North American I'm vertical datum. Anyways, now, that's what a lot of people use for the for the datum. Yeah. It's, so I'm just really quickly looking at a paper. I may be off on my. It may be tens of centimeters. Up, that sounds up, yeah a little more several realistic. meters. The, the that the, makes a lot thing, more sense. It's why you get like upwelling. Yeah, so you get upwelling is you create that imbalance. Yep. Um, I'm gonna look into this more because, yeah. Well, so I wanted to uh, just kind of talk about some interesting numbers here: the history of figuring out the elevation of Mount Everest. So, and I I had heard this story before reading this reading this article, but the English when the English. Um, uh, the uh, when they were colonizing India, um, yeah, we we have referenced this a few talk, times on the yeah, podcast. We talked, yeah, yeah, we definitely, yeah, I, I I thought we talked about this before, but in 1856, um, the British had they they um they did the survey for the height of Everest, and they did trig they did all the trig and and they they adjusted for, um. Uh, distortions in the at like visual distortions in the atmosphere, just just by you know looking at uh, you know the, the summit of Mount Everest, and these guys in 1856 came up with a number of 29,000 feet, like even, like they they came back with this number. And they're looking at it and they're like, this isn't good. Nobody's going to believe us that Mount Everest <laughs> is exactly 29,000 feet tall. So the story goes that they actually added on three feet. They that the number they submitted was twenty nine thousand three feet, just so that people would take them seriously and make their number more believable. So that was back in eighteen fifty six, and then after in let's see, going fast forwarding a little bit to nineteen fifty three specifically, uh, May twenty ninth of nineteen fifty three. That's after uh, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay Sherpa uh, reached the summit of. Mount Everest, there's an Indian survey team that readjusted that, uh, the British estimate from back in 1856 to 29,028 feet tall. So over the years, the numbers, it just seems, so 1856, we had 29,003. Uh, in 1953, we had 29,028. So and 
Uh, here's a question. Were they wrong in 1856? Or did the mountain just rise that much? Did the mountain rise 20 meters or 20, or 20 feet? I don't know how what what the growth rate of Mount Everest is. Yeah. No, I, I understand, but I, what I'm saying is that the the feat of the engineers in 1850s to measure it that precisely was pretty incredible. All right, I uh, let's see, 2.4 <clears throat> inches per year. Yeah, it's so over a hundred years. 6.1 centimeters. 6.1 centimeters over a so hundred years. It's half a meter. Over half a meter a year. So that's wait, not over half a meter a year per per century is what you meant to say. That's right? what I meant. Yeah, hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, don't trust my numbers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so they weren't quite on pace, but they're pretty darn close. Yeah. That's. I mean, it's. It's freaking impressive what these guys were doing back in the 1800s. And, you, know, well, yeah. just, you know what they were using? They were using theodolites. Trigonometry, the math doesn't lie. Right. <laughs> and, and, but, but that's the thing. Like, they are using trigonometry, and now – like, GPS. But people are, like, doubting GPS, so we're using trigonometry again to ground truth the GPS. Yeah. Like, crazy. Turns out they're both right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have been using, well, trigonometry for yeah, three quite, quite a while now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that theodolite was invented like, I want to say like the 15th or 16th century. So I've been using it for 500 years now. Yeah. What, but what has it done for me lately? That, well, measured Mount Everest. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but besides that. <laughs> yeah, besides that. You know, I always take the Janet, Jack, Janet Jackson route. It's what have you done for me lately? Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I like stories like that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So I'm actually just a little correction here. I'm seeing some uh, variations in numbers Uh-oh. on Again. how fast Everest is growing. So this one says the original one I mentioned, two point four inches or six point one centimeters a year. I'm seeing other estimates at at four millimeters a year. So, I don't know. Somewhere between four millimeters and six millimeters. I know we're off by like an order of magnitude there, but. I mean, I said it was 200 meters. <clears throat> I meant 200 centimeters when I was talking about the ocean, so. Yeah, and even now, I think it's still high. Don't stop. Don't I think you mean millimeters, but still. <laughs> no, no, it's the one paper I was just reading is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a meter or two. Okay. So. Um, yeah. well, this fun debating about elevations. Look what this podcast has turned into. Yes, I told you, geodetic surveying, geodesy is really interesting. It is. What's the what is what's the analogy about the Earth? If it was, if it was the size of a, a billiard ball, there, there's something like you. Oh, could, Everest would wouldn't even be like a little imperfection, or you wouldn't even. Yeah, like our billiard balls have more imperfections than yeah, that's what have. Yeah, if they were the same size, because like the difference between the lowest and highest point is so minimal. Yep. So, Crazy. Well, I mean, so if you look at the surface of the Earth, the highest, you know, Everest is twenty nine thousand ish feet tall. What are we saying? It's thirty one now. Twenty nine, thirty one. Is that 20, 29, 30, 29, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, I mean, I'm sure like everybody that has their own different survey has. Yeah, known. we've because we've only ever been humans have only ever been down there three times. We've sent a bunch of submersibles like remote. And it's really tough to get to. But um, it, yeah, it's one of those things. It depends on who you ask it. Yeah, thirty five thousand eight hundred and forty three. Nat Geo says thirty six two oh one. See, see, yeah. um, who do you trust? 
Oh boy, this is this is really this is turning into real kerfluffle here. So it's it's a 60,000 <laughs> 60, foot differential over how many right. how many thousand foot diameter? On average, six thousand three hundred and seventy one kilometers. Kilometers. To, well, Smack you! Come on, we're America. Three thousand nine hundred fifty eight miles. So, but that's also kind of crazy difference. So the earth is a oblate spheroid, right? It's not a perfect sphere. So it bulges at the center and at the center, it's 6390. And at the poles, that's to the center of the earth. If you started on the equator and you dug a hole to the center of the earth. But if you were at the North pole and you dug a hole. 63, I'm sorry, 6390. What? Oh, kilometers. Okay. Okay. But if you were at the North Pole and you dug a hole, it would be 6,350 kilometers. Like <laughs> so it's not that much. 40 kilometers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 40 kilometers is a lot, but at the same yeah. time, we're talking about thousands of them. Yeah. It's not that much so, of a difference. Yeah, if the, earth, the, the radius of the Earth is, is essentially 4,000 miles, so the diameter is, is 8,000 miles, and you're talking about 60,000 feet, which is – you know, 12 miles. So 12 over 18 is 12 over 8,000 is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the math here. She's crunching the numbers. I hope Jesse has one of those old calculators with the, uh, <laughs> with, oh, with the paper. Yeah. <laughs> 0.15%. 0.15%. Yeah. Yeah. From the highest mountain to the, the lowest trench. The Point one five percent. That's it's crazy. That's within your um two percent uh, acceptable error, you know. But that's where the billiard ball ratio thing comes in and, and makes sense. Yeah. You know, you have a scratch in a billiard ball, that's more than the differential. Yeah, yeah. Patreon Frank here is talking about too. Yeah, you compare it to the surface area of the earth, which is 510 million square kilometers or 196 million square kilometers, square miles. That's, that's nothing. Anyhow. Thanks so, Frank. Yeah. Really, really. Uh, who, who thought measuring the height of a mountain was boring? Not me. Boring. More like uplifting. Ah, <laughs> that's what I'm here for, folks. Really, terrible it, puns. It mentally took me to new heights. <laughs> Good times. Look at you guys, look at this. Yeah, just firing on all cylinders here. Yeah, we're killing it. All right, you got. We do one more news story. Um. Yeah. Should I, Should I do the to do the one, uh, the big conspiracy theory one. Absolutely. I don't know what yes. this is, but yes, I, go. I'm just, in. Just, yeah. <laughs> Sasquatch was cited. Uh, it's no. it's the Thornburg show right now. This this uh, a friend of ours sent us this in a in text, and it's from the link she sent is from MBA Karen, fan of the show. Oh yes, yes. Sent us sent Steve and I this link. Um, and it's NBC News, so it's a legitimate source. <clears throat> the former uh, chief of, of space security for the Israeli government has, has claimed on, on record <clears throat> that uh, aliens exist and there is a galactic federation. And that world leaders know about it and <clears throat> they're just waiting for us as humans to to develop the technology to join the federation uh can i just say something one thing real fast and yeah. i swear to god this is this is god's honest truth this is the second conversation i'm having today <laughs> on this topic <laughs> Wait, really I literally had a conversation with one of my buddies today, not about like this exact thing, but uh, he's all into conspiracy theories and the he's Galactic going off. Federation. Well, I mean, it's 
but he had a similar thing. When we talked about the Drake equation, one of, or, or the Fermi paradox, where is everyone? You know, one of the things is that the zoo hypothesis is that there's intelligent civilizations, but they're not interacting. They're just watching us to sort of see what we do. Like we're, we're the animals of the zoo. Um, he goes on to say that there's been cooperation agreements signed between different species, including an underground base in the depths of Mars, where um, there are both American astronauts and alien representatives conducting experiments. So there's an agreement between the US government and the aliens. They've signed a contract and they do experiments there. Um, nice to know that the alien species has a legal system. Yeah, they, they you know, binding, it's legally binding. Um, they're waiting for humanity to develop uh, or reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are and where um, it won't create mass hysteria if they find out that there's okay. a space federation. This, and this is on NBC News. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you can we'll post the link for this. So it was so this this person who um, is the, is the former head of of space security for the Israeli government gave this. Um, he was the former head of Israeli Defense Ministry's Space Directorate, and he told uh, an Israeli newspaper this. So maybe something's lost in translation here. But um, the guy, he's a respected professor and retired general, according to this article. Um, yeah, so far, uh, both uh, NASA and um, actually, yeah, NASA, NASA has said one of their goals is searching for extraterrestrial life, but they have yet to find signs. The, the governments of the U.S. and Israel, Israel did not <clears throat> respond to comment, and the Pentagon declined to comment, which is not a denial. <laughs> Stoke this conspiracy fire. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Sasquatch earlier today, and he said it was true. So, so he, so this this Israeli general, head of space security or whatever has said he, he thinks the time is right now. He was quoted as saying, if I had come up with what I'm saying today five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. Today, they're already talking differently. I have nothing to lose. I'm respected uh, <clears throat> both at home and abroad. Okay. Um, well, there you go. Hey, listen, he's either going to be the the brilliant first person to yeah. admit this or he's not <laughs> i will say it sort of ties in with those monoliths have been popping up everywhere hey <laughs> they have did we um oh we did did we talk about this last week i geez I yeah the one that one that the new one in Rom romania yeah no there's another one in Oh, did I just send you guys? I you sent us, to you. yeah. But I, I feel like there's been like several other ones. Yeah, I, I saw one meme that showed all the symbols from the fifth element, <laughs> like the wind, the fire, the yeah. What? Uh, there was <clears throat> there was a candy store in Pittsburgh where the owner put one out in front of his store. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice, nice. Hey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw. I sent you guys that link for that the third one spotted in California. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, California. Yeah. It's copycat monoliths. Come on, come on. <laughs> what is this? Well, um, yeah, I think a pretty good episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, it about wraps it up. We're just about there with time. Chris, Chris, for one quick second, what is that cup behind you? Oh, wait, what is this? Oh, yeah. Oh, this this mug right here. This may or get it, may not. Get it in closer without a glare. Come All on. All right, so for the podcast listeners can't see this, but this may or may not be the brand new Geology oh. Flannelcast merch that we have now. 
coming very that. soon on the uh, geologyflannelcast.com. We got ourselves some geology flannel cast coffee mugs. For those of you who are listening, it is a, a coffee mug. It is about the dimensions of a coffee mug. It's very good. It is very a good. beautiful ceramic white coffee mug. Mm-hmm. But it has the beautiful geology flannel cast crest that has been handed down from generation to generation. Court of arms, if you may. Yeah. And, and or we saw from someone, I don't know, Meghan Markle or something. I forget. No, 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 no. This, sorry. Is, this is geology flannel oh, cast. Sorry. This is our geology Cast crest. It's very sacred to our uh, our being and our ancestry. I guess yeah, it's uh, our origin. Yeah, it's, it's our it's our origin story. It's a great coffee. If you put coffee in it, it will hold it and it will keep the flavor. And you would drink coffee out of it. it yeah, and it'll keep it slightly warm too. So yeah, uh, it does exactly what a coffee mug should do, but better. It does. But you know why it's better? Because it has our logo on the outside of it. That'll our make new logo. Warm inside. Yes. Uh, so uh, please keep an eye out on our website. We're eventually, hopefully, seriously. Hopefully by, by the time, well, by the time this podcast comes out, the, it'll probably be very shortly afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, we'll have this up on the, uh, on the website. But for right now, if, uh, so if you want to, if you'd like to help out with the podcast, obviously we've always been, um, you know, talking about uh, helping out, uh, becoming a, a Patreon sponsor. Um, we have several different tiers at different, at different rates. If you want to sponsor the podcast um, that way, you can come in, hang out, watch us record the podcast, uh, ask us any questions or, you know, just, just hang out, talk with us before and after each episode. Um, you know, we got some other tiers, you get, you know, get some stickers out of the deal. Uh, or you can go to the merch link on geologyflannelcast.com. You can get some geology flannel cast stickers on there. Um, uh, and like I said, very soon we'll have these, we'll have these mugs up there. So yeah. first, it's first fun- of many things of merch. Well, we are, uh, it's funny. My, uh, I told my significant other about that. We were starting to sell stuff on the website. She's like, Oh, you're starting to sell merch. I was like, yes, that, that I, I called it merchandise and Chris called it merch. And she's like, that's everybody calls it merch now. <laughs> so yes, yes it's called merch, merch, sure. merch. Sorry. So this is just old Steve, not knowing what merch was. <laughs> Get with the times, man. I know. Right. I'm, I'm so old. So, um, what else? What else? Check us out on, um, let's see. Like I said, our website's geologyflannelcast.com. Our Facebook page is, you know, uh, Geology Flannelcast on Facebook. Twitter, we're at geoflannelcast. And I might... if, you, if you like us, why not support us? Yeah. yeah. Right? Come on. What have you done for us lately? No, <laughs> they've they've listened to us and have been very supportive over the years. And we're very appreciative of it. So, all right, let's end this before Steve can ruin this anymore. So, I uh, love you guys. No, thank seriously. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. Uh, thank you for being any sort of uh, participation level. I appreciate it. I was only kidding. Oh, also, any if you have any geology questions. Uh, you can submit them at, uh, at geologyflannelcast.com as well. And then every, every once in a while, we'll do a, uh, we do a uh, listener questions episode. So we just did one a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, as soon as we get enough kind of in the inbox there, we'll do, we, we'll do another episode. We love doing those. Those are always fun. And you guys ask some really, really awesome, awesome questions that are always, every time we go through that list, we're always very impressed by yep. The caliber of questions. But also to fast track that, uh, we have a Patreon level where you can just shoot us a question and we will answer it. So, Well, if you become a, what's it, a Topaz Patreon level yeah, member, man. you like get your you, own show. You get, well, you ask us, you, if you get to, if you want to sponsor us to that level, uh, you pick a topic and we will do an entire episode on that topic. Yeah. So we've done a couple of those already and hopefully 
couple, many more to come. So yep. all the different ways you can help out with the geology final cast. So, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and uh, we love you guys and we'll catch you guys next week. For another exciting episode of the geology final cast. Thanks for listening. All right. All right. See you everyone. Bye.